He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome aboard. Another lovely day here in the Mid-South. Not too hot, not too cold. Get a little sunshine, get some clouds up there, but no rain. We had a huge downpour yesterday. Even had some hail. Uh, today, the other thing we're really dealing with is one accident right here by the station in East Memphis. It's at Poplar and uh, in the westbound lane at, uh, at uh, South Yates, uh, right here at the intersection, which... Is a very very busy intersection. That's right there near the uh, the uh, cemetery and uh, what used to be a, a Wendy's. Now it's a vacant lot waiting to become a Sonic. I had my father-in-law ask me the other day. He said, "When's that Sonic going to open?" I said, "I don't know, man. <laughs> I think they're letting the the dust die down from the Wendy's. That was not a good Wendy's. I got to tell you that. that I ate there a couple of times over the forty years it was there and." Uh, Every 10 years or so, I'd come back to give it another shot. Nah, still not there. So, but they're gone. It's gone now. And uh, so there you are. Uh, big news today in the world of sports uh, is that uh, the PGA and Live Golf, which is the Saudi Arabia's answer to the PGA, and they were paying people millions and millions of dollars to join them. And if they did, the PGA was kicking them off the PGA Tour. And uh, so everybody was suing everybody, and apparently last night they got together, had a meeting, and decided to merge, which is <laughs> pretty incredible. And here's the funny part is that, that Trump two years ago said that if any members of the PGA that did not join Live were idiots because he said eventually they're going to merge with the PGA, and everybody that joins Live and takes the million, I think offered Tiger Woods something like $800 million to join. He turned him down like he, he needs the money anyway. Uh, but, you know, you had uh, other people that did join and, and made billions. And, uh, boy, people gave him a lot of grief. I remember this year at the Masters, uh, Phil Mickelson played to the Masters, which they couldn't say no because it wasn't a PGA event. It was uh, It's a private event. And, uh by invitation and he's a former masters champion by several times. And so he was invited back. They said at the dinner, he never said two words, but he, at least he had the cojones to show up and, uh, took a lot of abuse. And that was seven word broke today about 10 AM Eastern time. He just got in there and said, what a, uh, incredible day. So, so he could have really rubbed it in. So he got the money, he got millions. And now the PGA has got to let him back on tour and they're all going to be pals again. So I think that was a very interesting development. And then uh, this is, a, you know, when you just when you think Target is going to learn their lesson, it says Tar- Target donated to a group demanding Mount Rushmore shutdown. I mean, you sit there and you go, what are you guys doing? So Target donated an unknown amount of money to indigenous-led organization that calls for the United States to return its public land and shut down Mount Rushmore. National Memorial, among other causes. Fox News found an analyst of Target's nonprofit organization, the Target Foundation, that the company donated money through its unclear how much 
to the organization DN or NDN Collective, which describes itself as an indigenous-led organization dedicated to building indigenous power. The group advocates for various progressive causes, including the Land Back Campaign, which is sort of like the um, uh, giving everybody uh, reparations for being a slave at some point. Then the Indians want their land back. And, uh, you know, I just sit there and say, you know, we all had a shot at that land. You had it. Pioneers came over. They took it. <laughs> now you want it back. Uh, the the people that were brought over here as slaves, uh, Lincoln fleet, freed the slaves. And those that uh, gave, I don't know how many, 40 acres and a mule, set them up. And, uh, you know, and so now they all want eight or ten million dollars uh, you know i don't know whatever happened to it's like my dad said you're born with what you're born with and and then you're on your own we take care of you till you're 18 and we don't owe you anything nobody else owes you anything you just got to go out and, and earn it yourself but i guess those are the old rules that only apply to old people new people have a whole new deal i say good luck but uh it said the group advocates for various progressive causes including it's land back campaign that aims to dismantle white supremacy and calls for America to release its public land to indigenous people. Yeah. Well, good luck. Good luck on that one. Uh, and then uh, great migration continues as more Americans flee to Florida and Texas, uh, says that a growing number of Americans are migrating from predominantly blue states with steep taxes like California, New York to red states with lower taxes like Florida and Texas, according to the bank of America. We constructed near real-time estimates of the domestic migration flows and found that pandemic migration trends are not reversing. That's right. When they get to these places, they find out how much money they get to save. There are people that have literally moved here from California, New York State. All those people that came with international paper came down here. And the real estate agents would take around and show them these homes. They go, well, we could never afford that. They go, it's only 800000 You're kidding me. They were living like in a ranch-style two-bedroom house. For eight hundred thousand, they come here and they're moving into these, you know, five bedroom, three car garage, swimming pool, and then they go. You want to go back? No, I'm not going back. And then you got Lu, Lulu Mela, Lulu Mons, some kind of a where the they go buy those uh, those yoga pants. You know, they got all kinds of women's sports attire, and they was they in their store in Manhattan. I think it's no, this was in Atlanta, in the real ritzy era of Atlanta. And these, uh, some guys came in and started just taking stuff and leaving And God bless these women that worked there. They were telling me, get out. You're not taking any more. Get out of here. And the CEO of the company fired them because they said our policy is a zero tolerance policy, not a zero tolerance on theft, zero tolerance on anybody trying to stop the theft. <laughs> so they've got a new sale on now. It's called Lulu Mon's, uh, sale with just go in take whatever you want and leave everything's free. Let's see how long they stay in business with that policy going on. Uh, can you imagine Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke saying, sure, come on in to Dodge City, take whatever you want. Go on down to the saloon, take up on all the beer you want. Have a good time. I mean, that Western would have lasted about eight seconds. Saying, We're not watching this show. This is obviously fiction. <laughs> so, I don't know. Just... The more you hear, the more ridiculous it is. You just sit there and go, this isn't real. This cannot be real. 
And then you read this. Nancy Pelosi will throw out the first pitch of the gay-themed uh, game, baseball game, I guess. And, uh, and I guess she's going to do it. Have you ever thrown a ball out at a ball game, a pitch at, from the mound? It's like 163 feet or something. And uh, I remember one morning doing the live show, and I was at Channel 5. Ralph Halley got behind the plate. I got up on the pitcher's mound, wound up, heaved it as hard as I can. I one-bounced it into home plate. <laughs> and I went, woo, that's a lot further than you think it is. So the next time I kind of just, I just kind of arched it in. So I got a pretty good arch on it. <laughs> it got there without bouncing, but it'll be interesting how well the Miss Pelosi does. Said, but she's uh, no stranger to gay causes. Now the former Speaker of the House will throw out the first pitch at the gay-themed baseball game. Major League Baseball's long-running LGBTQ-themed event will take place uh, tonight in Washington Nationals' night-out game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. The San Francisco representative is being recognized for her long-standing commitment to the fighting for the rights and dignities of the LGBTQ plus community, the National said in a Monday night statement. You know, L.A. caught a tremendous amount of grief over that horrible display they had at their game last week. And then here's the the Nationals said, hey, we could do that too. I I just don't get it. I really don't. Um, So, and Taco Naganis is hoping to open its sixth permanent taco truck. We've got one right around the corner from us over here. I got the Naganis tacos uh, the other night when we went to Live at the Garden, picked up for, uh, two uh, two beef and two uh, pork tacos. They're delicious. They really are. I was talking to a guy in the food business that sells them their to-go boxes. They said the week of Cinco de Mayo, they uh, ordered 17,000 to-go boxes. 17,000. And you figure at uh, $10 an order, which is pretty conservative, it's like over a quarter million dollars they, they were planning on doing that week. So uh, if you've not eaten at uh, Taco Naganis, uh, check them out. They get the green truck. There's one on Summer Avenue. There's one over there at Cooper and Park. Uh, there's another one right over here by the station just off Yates. I can't remember the name of the uh, street. It's a one block to the east of Yates and Poplar. Uh, there's one in uh, out at Macon and uh, Germantown Parkway, uh, right by the movie theater there across the street from uh, Whataburger. And... In fact, if you go to Whataburger, the lines are long. Go across the street to Taco Naganis. You get in real quick. That's my tip for the day. All right, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we'll be right back. So stay with us. And welcome back. Uh, I do want to mention there is an accident on uh, Poplar Avenue right at uh, Yates uh, where you turn to go to Erling Jensen's Restaurant. Uh, you can still get there. You just uh, have some traffic built up there right now. Uh, but uh, I don't know the extent of injuries, uh, but uh, there is some blockage there. Otherwise, traffic looks pretty good uh, around the city. I think a lot of people are still out of town, and uh, they're, uh, which is great with me. I say stay, stay out of town. I, I like being able to move around the city uh, without uh, being, uh, having to, although I did have to sit at one line uh, for three Three lights uh, today. And uh, you know, as you get older, you forget how old you are. I remember I was behind this guy today, and I said, come on, man. How do I, How come I end up behind some 70-year-old man? Then it dawned on me. I'm 72. <laughs> come on, you old codger. 
Step on the gas. <laughs> so, all you old codgers out there, let's be perky. Let's keep a foot on the gas pedal. Don't, don't sit in there and look, because I'm saying to myself at the time, look at these two old guys. They got nothing to do but go to lunch. I got stuff to do. Come on, let's move it out. Let's be kind to our senior citizens. <laughs> it, but it does have a... I'm looking at the guys in the control room. They're both young, and I'm sitting there going, you know, at your age, you think this it'll never happen. You'll just never end up, because it would take forever to get to be 70 years old. And then one day you look up, and you're 30, and you go, boy, I didn't think that would ever happen. And then it's 35, then 40, 45, 50. And uh, the next thing you know, you wake up, and, and what happens then is you, you can't even remember what year it is. You know, am I 50 or 51? Uh and somebody say, how old are you? you go, I, I don't know. Because <laughs> it does go by faster and half faster. Uh, and just like today, it was, they were announcing Chris Christie was set to announce his bid. All these other guys are jumping in. And there was a very good analogy somebody made. <clears throat> it was like there are two big chocolate milkshakes. And one of them is Trump. And the other were all the other people that are jumping into the GOP uh, presidential race. And everybody has a straw. Trump has his straw, and he's got like 50% of the whatever the commitments are right now. And then whatever's left of the pie is in the other malt cup. And all those other people have their straws stuck in that one. <laughs> so you're sitting there going, okay, they're all sucking out of that cup. Trump is sucking out of his cup. Who's going to win? Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. And I think a lot of them are getting There's a guy from um, this, uh, Sununu out of uh, Vermont that was going to run on the GOP ticket. And he said, no, I'm not going to run now. I just want to go full out against Trump. So the only reason he's even talking about it is so he can talk bad about Trump. And I think that's Chris Christie's whole thing. You know, one time Chris Christie was, was bosom buddies with Trump. Then they hated him. Then he came back and said he was his pal again. And now he's running against him. But the former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, is set to enter the 2024 Republican presidential primary Today, launching his second bid for the White House, his first one did not turn out that good. Um, former President Donald Trump, uh, GOP frontrunner, uh, former Christie Alley. Um, Christie's announcement comes a day after fellow GOP moderate Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, opted against running in less than 24 hours before Vice President Mike Pence officially enters the race. Like in 2016, Christie will seek to appeal to more traditionally conservative, establishment-friendly Republicans and hope that he can emerge as a foil to Trump and Governor uh, Ron DeSantis in a rapidly growing field. Thing is, he's got 1% share of the of the potential voters out there right now. And uh, he, when he ran before, he never got above 1%. And he dropped out after the second primary because he did terrible. And so, I mean, I don't know where these guys... Uh, I guess there's something to it. If you run and then you drop out and, and, you, and the guy that ends up winning, if you didn't talk too bad about it, maybe because he thinks you got some people at least of 1% that like to, they'll throw that 1%, that'll help them. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, if, if you told me that I had 1% of being successful at something and then if I lose, I got nothing. Uh, but see, the other thing is they raise money. Whatever they raise, they don't spend they can say that's part of their war chest, and they can all find ways to um, to spend that money on themselves, uh, just like um, uh, all those, everybody. You just announce you're going to run, and you raise millions of dollars, and what you don't spend, uh, you get to keep. 
Now, legally, it has to be covered under your campaign contributions, but believe me, they can everything can be considered part of the campaign. Your house, you have meetings there, you have to have transportation, you buy cars, uh, Got to stay away from the jewelry. I've never figured out how jewelry could be part of your campaign strategy, but I'm sure somebody's done it. And then you've got CNN's uh, CEO, Chris Litched, big mess. Insiders say he's lost the newsroom after Trump town hall and brutal Atlantic story that came out yesterday. Uh, uh, Chris uh, has experienced more downs than ups a little over a year on the job and the Uproar over the unflattering profile of his tenure last week underscored his continued inability to win over a skeptical newsroom insiders tell Fox News Digital. What he's got is a bunch of disgruntled employees, not unlike Twitter with um, Elon Musk taking over there. They had all those people bad, and so he fired them all. That's how you stop the discontent. You don't like it here? Get out. <laughs> Take a hike. And uh, still losing money. But at least uh, they're not talking bad about you. You know, everybody that's left is happy, <laughs> and and the people that that are on all the writing all the articles about Chris Litz, this there are people that he fired. I don't know why anybody should be surprised at that. I guess they all think we're out here going, "Duh, what do I write bad stuff about him?" <laughs> and to think that they and, and they tried to make it seem like. Uh, no, nothing's happening. I listen, I, I pay more attention to CNN now than I have in years. Cause I, at least I think they're trying to be, uh, as open about their reporting as possible. Uh, and then I love this Congresswoman Luna FBI afraid informal in the Biden investigation will be killed. Now think about this for a minute. Here's the FBI informant. That's been an informant for the FBI for years. And it's made oh, well over 600, six, figures with him a year doing informant work for the FBI. All of a sudden he, he comes up with his information about Joe Biden taking a bribe, a $5 million bribe. And, and they, uh, try to suppress it. And they're saying they're investigating it, but nothing's coming out about it. They're dragging their feet on it. And they say, we'd bring him forward, but we are afraid somebody will kill him. You know, who would kill him would be the FBI. I, this story is so bogus. Uh, he said in social media post, Luna, who serves the House Oversight Committee, said she learned of this alleged threat at a recent meeting, just left a meeting with the House Oversight. The FBI is afraid their informant will be killed if on mask. Based on info he has brought forward about the Biden family, she tweeted. Luna later told Fox News the FBI concerns were alarming and scary. Uh, as Brett Bart News reported, the informant's alleged $5 million bribery scheme involving the president is reportedly a highly credible FBI source with a history dating back to the Obama administration. The FBI possesses a document for an interview with the FBI conducted with the informant, which allegedly details an arrangement involving the exchange of money for policy decisions between now President Joe Biden and a foreign national. And thank you very much and welcome back. Uh, I do want you to know that we're under a severe weather alert uh, down in the South Haven area near Hernando and Tupelo. Uh, there's some uh, lightning and some severe thunderstorms. I just checked with my son down in Hernando. So they, they got nothing there. <laughs> Poor guy. They're praying for rain down there because it's so hot, dry, and dusty at the ranch. And uh, it goes all around them, but nothing. Uh, so keep that in mind, though, that it is down south of us. We'll keep uh, keep you abreast of that situation. Also, there is a, an accident at Yates and Poplar right here by the station. Keep that in mind uh, as you're moving. I'd avoid the area because you know how congested it gets right here at I-240 and Poplar, no matter which direction the wreck is in. I think this one's in the westbound lane. Just keep that in mind. Right now, we're going to go to the phones. Uh, you just heard him talking about herself a minute ago, Diane Kimbrough, your lady die, your 
your healthcare PI, and uh, is, is you're up in the Tipton County. You don't have any rain going on there, correct? No, we had it yesterday. Oh boy, we we, had, uh, we did yeah, too. We had some little mild thunderstorms yesterday. Ours was really heavy. I mean, it absolutely poured here, and at uh, my house in Collierville, we had even had hail. So, wow. Yeah, so it was uh, pretty uh, pretty severe. Uh, one thing you keep getting requests for, and one thing I wanted to talk about today is the fact that everybody thinks that you're going to be a big, huge group, like a, a, a business with 20, 30 people, or even a family with, uh, you know, six, seven people. Uh, you, your average group that you end up uh, getting uh, insured for health care are about five people. Well, really, the average is around more like 12. That's what we're finding. Um 12 to 18 because um, the, the thing is the 50 and under market has kind of been skipped over because they have been so expensive because you're dealing with a limited number of people who have maybe combined may have some significant issues. So it can drive up the rates because you have a smaller group of people. So the insurance companies had to get creative in how they develop these small group plans and I've had the opportunity to work with a couple of small groups and really customize and design the plans for that type of business, where they're located. You know, all that factors into it. And um, I look at, we and we break it down to, you know, do you want to offer medical, dental, vision, life insurance? You tell me how far you want to take it and we'll go there. Or do we want to start out? And if you're what we call a virgin company with a health insurance plan, you know, we can start very slow, do the medical, and move on from there. And then the next year maybe add on some additional benefits because if we can design a plan that is what we call self-funded, if there are monies left over from the claims that weren't projected to be spent, then that money goes back to that employer and they can reinvest it into their health plan or into their company or into their employees. And maybe this time offer them dental and vision or um, a more lucrative wellness plan. Just all types of things that can, can be done. Do you have to be a company? Can it be just a, a, a group of people that have some, something? In, what, what are the criteria to be considered a group? Great question. Great question. So you really want to have um, full-time employees and the universal... Um, or minimal hours required for full-time employees that's considered universal is 30 hours. A lot of people have thought it was 32, but it's 30. And then I have a plan um, that even lowers it to 20 hours. Wow. So that increases your ability to offer insurance to some folks who might be considered in some places part-time, but in this particular plan, they'd be considered full-time if they work 20 hours a week. Now, do they have to be all in the same company, or could these just be a group of people you put together that are all working full, full-time full by 32 hours a week someplace? Uh, no, they have to be with the same company. You, so you have to show that um, that they are with the same company, and then you have to have three. You start with three or okay. more. Now, you want to be <clears throat> sure, though, that you don't, you don't look at you and your wife as being – the company you have to you can have a husband and wife but you have to have a third employee okay and then uh it it could be something that you're all working together that you're a corp um, you're incorporated 
and you're paying all these people, even though they could be contract labor, would that help be also be applicable? Yeah. Okay, good. Because yeah. there, there are a lot of people that, that are contract uh, labor people that work full-time for somebody. They just don't get their benefits or uh, retirement funds or anything like that through them. Yeah, and I think it's really important to understand that the purpose of even offering health insurance is if you really do the right plan and you get the right agent to sit down with you and help you develop what's needed, you can really customize it, and it really turns out to be a lot less expensive than if you all three go out individually and try to buy health insurance because people don't realize that today. There are so many... It's, it's amazing the variety of options that can be done and, and the different ways we can look at putting these policies or these groups together, these plans together, so that everyone benefits. And that would be the employer, the insurance company, and most importantly, the employee. And so let's talk about why would you even want to consider it offering it. At this point in the game, when people are trying to recruit, what is the hardest thing to do right now? Hire somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then to retain them. Yeah. Because if someone comes along in the similar industry as yours and, and offers, you know, maybe the same salary, but we are, we are offering you health insurance and we're paying 50% of it. They may jump ship just for that health benefit. So you want to really consider looking at that as an option instead of thinking, no, oh, I know we can't afford it. You might not, cannot afford not to have it. It's a very attractive thing that makes your business stand out. And that's what we're here to do is to help you as a business save money, but offer great coverage, but also stand out and then retain and attract really good employees. Well, it's interesting you would say that because uh, I watched uh, the CBS Sunday Morning News this past Sunday, and they had a really great uh, feature on Fred Smith, um, the founder Mm -hmm. of FedEx. And they asked him, I said, what is your most important asset in this company? He said, our people. So we employ over 500,000 people. And, wow. he, and he said, so what's the advantage of, of them staying and work with you? He said, well, even our part-time employees, we offer full benefits. We pay for their college. We reimburse them for their college expenses. And we and I, he goes, even part-time employees, I think what he's referring to is the same thing you are. 32 hours makes you, and that's the average of what a part-time employee at FedEx does but it still qualifies yeah. them to get insurance. And so what you're doing is it, whether you like it or not, you're competing with a company like FedEx. Yeah, you are. And while they may require it to be 32 hours, universally, again, it's 30. And with a certain plan that I might offer you, it's 20 hours. So you could be even more competitive if you want to think about it that way. You might It might open up the window for you to look at adding some additional benefits that Maybe you didn't think you could as a small business owner. You know, I try to work with small 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 companies also and let them know I have such great dental and vision products. I have a variety of them. And there's their options are just amazing. And sometimes we start out with just the medical and then I will come behind and offer individually to the employees, hey, if you want to do the dental and vision, here's your link. Go look this up. Pick out the one you like the best, and you'll pay for it. But there's still less than what it would cost in most places. So they're they're good. The benefits are great. Um, I have some dental benefits that even don't even have a maxed out benefit. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> How the, often do you hear that? Well, you don't hear it. And the other thing, too, is I remember when the Affordable Health Care Act came out, 
and everybody was thinking, okay, well, healthcare is going to be changed forever. Companies are going to start dropping their healthcare plans. People aren't going to be able to afford it. What has really happened, though, just in my relationship with you and what we've talked about here every week, is that other companies saw the the needs that weren't being filled, and that's what we're seeing now: are companies coming up with plans for people to fill the gaps? Right. Exactly. So, exactly. We, you know, you think sometimes, well, we're all going down the tubes, but that's a great thing about this country is that companies see uh, a need for uh, some uh, product service. And uh, they go out and fill it, and then they end up uh, being very successful, and they're fulfilling a, a need out there, which is people get coverage and the coverage they need without having to pay for a bunch of junk, which is the way it used to be. Well, and, t- and that's a really great point, Earl. And another really good point, um, I was helping someone earlier today, and they lost their health insurance because their significant other retired, and they're looking for another job, but that meant the husband lost his insurance. And he's in a situation where he's had open-heart surgery, has a stent. He's only 51, um, but he's on some very um, expensive medications. So, you know, a lot of people would, would go, oh, gosh, what's he going to do? Because she's lost her, her group insurance, yeah. and, and she may get a job, another job. She may not, but... He's going to have to have. He's got to have his meds. I mean, this was a you know a while back. He had this happen, and so we've got to maintain his care. And you know, this is where the ACA does come in, and it does benefit because what I can do is I can find something that might meet all most of his requirements. For example, it would meet the medi- the high end medications that he takes that covered him with a, a small copay. Where these are like, I'm telling you, they're like six, seven hundred dollars a month meds. Wow! And the and the copays on those are like thirty or forty or sixty. I'll pay that any day over sure. you know, hundreds to a thousand. The other thing is, um, I was able to find the doctors that they really wanted. So you know, you have a variety, and it's a special enrollment period because they lost their coverage. So I can get them on, and they can start on the first of July. The things it doesn't cover, for example, like labs and x-rays until you meet your deductible, and then it will pay, you know, a percentage of it, that's the part that kind of stinks. But that's where I come in. I have other things I can kind of help fill in the gap there and introduce you to that say, hey, listen, I've got some things that that have got some really good rates and is affordable, and if you have to have lab work every month or you've got to go quarterly... This is another option I have for you. So that's where you really get creative, and and that same kind of option can even apply to some group plans that maybe they can't afford the luxury group plan, but they can't afford the basic coverage, but maybe I need to come in and supplement it a little bit more. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's so much flexibility in how we can approach it from any angle. So it really kind of goes back to when Obama said, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. If you like your doctor, you can keep it. Only the reality is you really need Diane to keep it all together. <laughs> so if you if you you got a plan you like and but you need less of this and more of that, uh, that's when you need to call Diane Kimbrough. How can they yeah. get in touch with you, Diane? Uh, just give me a phone call at 901-606-9091, or you can text me. Just tell me your name and uh, let me know what you're interested in, and I'll respond to you just as quickly as I can. And I'm, I'm here to help. You know, I'm just here to try to relieve the pain a little bit. 
That's my goal. And you do. We hear from people all the time that you've helped, and uh, it really does. It really does work. And and you got to feel good about helping people because you're you're really filling a need that pe- people had no idea you were out there until we started doing this. So I think it's a great thing. I, well, I appreciate y'all giving me this platform. Thank you, Earl. You're, you're welcome, Diane Kimbrough, Lady Die, your healthcare PI. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, there is a thunderstorm uh, alert out there in the southern part of uh, the listing area down in the South Haven area, um, and we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, just be careful. And there's an accident at Yates and Poplar, and other one at South Walnut Bend Road. So be aware of that. Otherwise, it looks like it's a pretty green go on all the roads and highways in the Memphis area. So just be careful out there. We'll be back. And welcome back. Uh, it was uh, kind of a lovely day if you're not in the middle of a thunderstorm. <laughs> Most of that, I just checked radar, is down south of us, uh, down in the Soto County, and uh, just a small cell here and there. Uh, uh, so nothing, anything like it was yesterday. Uh, but I uh, checked my son again down outside Hernando. He said they still got nothing. <laughs> It's almost like rain and stuff like it knows where farmers and ranchers are. They go, no, we're not going there. Go anywhere but there. I don't grow it up in West Texas. It, it literally just never rained. And so when it did, people would literally walk outside their houses, even in their businesses, and they would stand in the rain because it hardly ever happened. It was like how we all are when it snows. Everybody runs out in the yard. They're looking up in the air, open their mouths, letting the snow hit their tongue. That's the way it is in West Texas with rain. It's like, it's a miracle. <laughs> Look, you can see it falling from the sky. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, that's the reality of the situation. It's uh, uh, just, uh, it is kind of a miracle. And you, if you don't think so, uh, you'll live in an area where it doesn't happen very much. So uh, once again, I, we talked about it earlier, the Saudis buy American Golf Kingdom in uh, control nine, uh, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Here's the, the Saudis that came out and started this golf thing called Live and got some of the best golfers of the world to jump on board. It just paid them millions and millions of dollars. And uh, and then the other ones that didn't do it, uh, they, they all dog-cussed the guys that did and said, you guys aren't pure. <laughs> you're, you're screwing up the game. It's blood money because of this uh, journalist that got killed uh, allegedly by the Saudis and nothing really came of that. And so a lot of people sit there going, if you take their money, it's blood money. Well, let's see what happens now. The PGA has now decided to merge with them and let's see if they still continue to play golf or, or if they take the blood money. It's funny when uh, money starts talking, people uh, start listening. And uh, apparently that's, that's what's going on here. And supposedly it's the European golf tour as well. You know, they've always been different. You had the European tour, you had the uh, PGA, and then you got the LPGA, and then you had uh, this uh, Live Golf. But the PGA Tour has agreed to merge with Saudi-backed rival Live Golf in a deal that would see the competitors squash pending litigation and move forward as a larger golf enterprise. The two entities signed an agreement that would combine the PGA Tour's and live uh, golf's commercial business and rights into a new yet to be named for-profit company. The PGA was a non-profit organization. Uh, the agreement includes DP world tour, also known as the PGA European tour. 
Live Golf is backed by the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, an entity controlled by the Saudi Crown Prince, and has been embroiled in antitrust lawsuits with the PGA Tour in the last year. The deal announced Tuesday would end all pending litigation. <laughs> well, there you are. That's called a settlement is what that's called. Uh, PIF is prepared to invest billions of new capital in the new entity. CNBC's David Faber reported today terms of the deal weren't disclosed. The agreement, the second stunning sports deal in just months, followed World Wrestling Entertainment's merger with Endeavor Group. UFC will require the approval of the PGA Tour Policy Board. Commissioner Jay Monahan said in a memo to players that has obtained by uh, CNBC, there's much work to do to get us from a framework agreement to a definitive agreement, but one thing is obvious. Though through this transformational agreement and the PIF's collaborative investment, the immeasurable strength of the PGA Tour's history, legacy, and pro-competitive model will remain intact. I think that's what everybody wants. We'll take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be back. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back. Joining us on the phone right now is my good friend Bob Nave, former Republican congressman from Ohio, and I got so many questions, uh, Bob. This just uh, coming in, House uh, conservatives on Tuesday blew up an effort by GOP leadership to advance several bills and a dramatic confrontation in the House floor. The result of a revolt against the debt limit deal cut by Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden just days before. Eleven Republicans, most of whom are members of the conservative House of Freedom Caucus, joined Democrats in voting against a rule to advance four bills related to gas stoves and regulatory reform enough to oppose the tank, the rule, and block the legislation from advancing the floor. What's going on, Bob? (laughs) First of all, we all know that the Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, in order to become Speaker, yielded something nobody should yield, which is that any one individual member can stand up and say, uh, I want to vote on you, you know, to unseat you, basically, okay? So, uh, when the deal was cut between Biden and McCarthy for the debt ceiling, there's a little, I don't know if anybody's talked about this yet, there's a little hidden gem in there. And it's a 1% automatic cut on everything except Medicaid and Social Security if they don't follow through with the 12 appropriation bill. That's in there. Well, the conservatives were upset about that because if they don't actually pass the 12 bills, defense gets a 1% across-the-board cut. Wow. Some of the, of the progressives were concerned, but not as much as the conservatives. So that was in there. Now, on top of it, one of the reporters said, you know, what are you all going to do if this debt ceiling bill passes? Because it did with a lot of Democrat votes and a lot of Republican votes, except for most of the Freedom Caucus bill. So, Earl, what they said was, well, you know, this is going to be Armageddon implying, and one of them said, 
you know, they'll make a move to vacate the chair. That's where you stand up and call a new vote for speaker. And one of the reporters that day said, who will do that? And one hand went up in the air. Well, obviously, they didn't do it. Now, the reason they didn't do it is very, very clear. If they're sitting there and they say, okay, we're going to vacate the chair, we're going to make this motion, and the 30 of us can take him out, two well, things happen. Well, you got no leader then. Well, you got no leader. The, the floor is vacated. Uh, technically, the Democrats could very quickly, privately, Hakeem Jeffries, yeah. the leader, could make a deal if he wanted to with McCarthy. To take the majority. And say, and say hey, how about you just, you got 19 committees. There's 19 committees there. How about you put Democrats as chair of just three of them? We're going to give you 100, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the Republicans wouldn't go against McCarthy because they want to keep their chairmanships and their positions. So that's one scenario where Freedom Caucus loses. Let's go another scenario. Let's say that doesn't happen. Well, who are you going to put in? It took 15 rounds to get McCarthy. <laughs> and, then <laughs> who, who and, you, and there wasn't anybody else. Who are you going to put in? So here's the bottom line. They didn't dare do that. That's, that's what happened. Well, they didn't dare roll those dice. So who, who was the person that who was the person that rose their hand? Do you know? Um, I think I don't want to misquote this. It was a, a guy named Bishop. I think. Hmm. I don't know where he's from. I, I, that's who I think. It was only one person. But but then they didn't follow through on it because then you have to call <laughs> for a vote, right? You know, we. I mean, we had a we had a very powerful speaker in Ohio named Bern Rice in the Ohio House, right? Very powerful Democrat from Southern Ohio. Republicans were in the Senate, but I was in the House. One day he decided David Carmel, a Republican, wasn't going to speak, and he cut his microphone off. <laughs> and Carmel, Carmel stood there, and we're all like, that's not right. You know, Carmel stood there, and he screams, you know, you just cut off the voice of 66,000 people. My colleagues aren't going to take it. And when you looked at all of us, we had our heads down, staring at the floor. <laughs> <laughs> we we were going to get going to go against Byrne. I don't care, you know. <laughs> there are certain positions, you know, you don't. So everybody in that room is going to go get them, and then one guy one guy puts his hand up. You know, I'm going to. Yep. So this is how it is. Now, what they've done though, the GOP leadership was going to advance several bills, and basically, I mean, these are bills you could support. You know about the, you know this. Stuff about the gas. No more gas stoves and kitchens. Yeah, which is just, you know, bizarre in itself. So what happened? 11 conservative Republicans, House Freedom Caucus, joined the Democrats. They voted against the rule to advance these four bills related to gas stoves, regulatory reform, by the way. And so it tanked the rules. Now, the rule is, is is a process. It's a... It's a bill, but it's a rule comes out of the Rules Committee. So this is big-time Republican. If I don't like something, let's say I can't stand the bill the Republicans are doing, I would still vote for the rule to allow free, free talk, you know, free debate. I'd still vote for the rule. And that's a very standard procedure. So they're defying the Speaker, sending him a message. But in reality, they're... They're kind of hurting themselves on legislation that, you know, they probably would want to vote for. See, to, to the average person, and I know it makes perfect sense to you because you've been there, 
But to the right. rest of us, we sit here and hear this, and we go, this is so confusing, and how does anybody know what's going on? But they do. Everybody knows exactly what's going on that's there. It, well, sure. I, it's sort of like baseball to me. Is that the, the average person watching baseball, they think they're just sw- swinging the bat, and if they get a hit, and they, they run the bases. People that really know baseball know that everything that's going on out there is a strategy and a tactic. Who's up next? What the pitcher's going to do? I mean, there's a whole other game going on a whole different level, and that's what's going on now that we don't see. <laughs> right. And, and and so there's, you know, the inside, uh, sort of the inside baseball. Yes. Now, the other danger of, well, I'm going to say danger and not, of the public process here, one of the good things is that there may be a certain amount of Democrats that happen to like that gas bill, for example, and they might join with Republicans to do a rule. You never know. There's a lot of Democrats in touchy seats that you know people don't go for some of these regulatory issues out there. So that might happen uh, if the Freedom Caucus continues to try to take rules down. Now, after a while, though, they will get the animosity of the rest of the Republicans because, you know, there's decent pieces of legislation that you want to pass. And every once in a while, they're going to want to pass one, and the Speaker could hold it. So they'll have some type of internal discussion. They're going to want something, because they won't continue doing it. They're going to want something out of the Speaker. Yeah. I don't know what. They'll want something out of it. Well, uh, we got to take a quick break, but I'm going to get back in a hurry because I want to talk about uh, the current situation with Biden, which I think is, is really pretty unique with mm-hmm. with what's going on. So we're talking with Bob Nay. Uh, we'll take a break, come back, and we'll find out about the Biden investigation, about Biden and Kamala Harris. What are they going to do? We'll talk about it coming back. And welcome back. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of accidents. We got one at uh, some debris in the road at I-55 North, I-240. Then we got another accident at Shelby Drive West at uh, Airways Road, Airways Boulevard. And then you've got another one on on Whitten and I-40, reported at 345. And then you're still working that uh, wreck here at uh, Yates and Poplar. So... Uh, be aware of those and some thunderstorms down south. Uh, otherwise, it's all a peaceful world. We got Bob Nay on the phone right now, and uh, interesting things are happening with uh, with the Republican Party and everybody jumping in. Chris Christie today. Uh, you got, uh, I mean, everybody's. It's it's almost a repeat of 2016, is it not, Bob? Right, and uh, the two things, Earl. The more people in, of course, the better for Donald Trump. Yeah. But, but the more people in, uh, the more the more problematic for Donald Trump in the general election, depending on how that primary goes. And I say that because this wasn't like, you know, Jeb Bush and yeah, and six or seven other major ones. And at that time, Trump was was way ahead. His numbers are a little tighter now. So it's okay for the primary. But it's got to be nuanced and played appropriately by Trump. He's got to be a little careful so that there's not permanent damage, a loss of 2% here and 2% there. You lose. If it's, if it's he and Biden, it's, uh, it's going to be close, period. 
So then, then the question of Biden comes up and the fact that uh, uh, he had the fall last week at the Air Force Academy. More and more people talk about his health, his uh, cognitive abilities. They're also talking about the fact that if he does run again and win, uh, just the risk factor at his age, there's a very good chance that if uh, Kamala's still his uh, running mate, she could end up being the president. And I don't think anybody's won that, especially the Democrats. And so that would, what that would take the Democrat Party off the table as we know it in America. It would. And so Literally. what are you hearing about that? Are they is this Newsom thing going to somehow they're going to do an end run and 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 14th Amendment uh, him out of there, make him get somehow get rid of uh, Kabbalah and make. Newsom the vice president, so if that does in fact happen, it'll be Newsom that becomes the president. Well, the constituents out there of the Democratic Party in mass do not want Joe Biden. He's down to 32%. Now, they're kind with him when they comment on him, but they, they would rather not have him. But to unseat a uh, sitting president, as we know, Jerry Ford and Ronald Reagan, Reagan went after him, it's tough. Yeah. Um, now, Having said that, though, there seems to be one problem that the Democrats have that they have to solve, putting Biden aside and whether he wins and can physically serve or, Lord forbid, something happens to him. Uh, I can't I can't fathom how the next election they can go into it having Kamala Harris as the VP, because. It will make a lot of people who can't stand Trump sit there and say, wow, you know, and how, and how many more times is he going to fall down? Yeah. You know, it's well, sad. I mean, it's, it, it I, you know, I, I didn't find it funny. No, I, I didn't either. It, it's terrible. And these gaffes that he's, he's doing are, are increasing. But one thing's for sure. I, in, in my 40, Six some years of being in politics and running campaigns at every level and being in office, I have never seen anybody destroy themselves so fast as Kamala Harris no. in my lifetime. No. And it's it's making people shiver to think that she could be the president of the United States. And it's making the Democrat structure shiver because if something happens to Biden and he wins and something happens to him, I'm telling you, within months, the Democrats will be running for the hills because she will take the entire slate down the tubes. Well, I think somebody said today they're one banana peel away from Kamala Harris, and right. uh, and and nobody wants it, and they don't know what what they would do because she's the first uh, female vice president, first vice president of color. Although the you said the people in India are very disappointed in her because she's yeah. part Indian and she's never even never, referred to them. Never talks about it. Never. Uh, the investigation into Joe Biden uh, on this uh, whistleblower with the FBI, uh, he refused to answer questions at a news conference. Today. They just smiled when they were all yelling at him. And, uh, and then NBC, CBS, ABC, none of them reported on uh, the, the, the report that came out uh, yesterday afternoon saying they looked at it. Uh, this is a bona fide whistleblower. He's credible. And now that looks like they're going to uh, – to go forward with uh, maybe even charging the head of the FBI with, uh, uh, you know, not answering the subpoena and being held in contempt. Where do you see all yeah. that going? Well, there's a couple of things. The most recent story, of course, is holding, um, you know, Director Ray 
Christopher Ray in contempt. Now, Ray did show two members, Comer and, and Raskin, and they received the same briefing and viewed the same documents, but the two of them are telling two different versions of these documents. Which then comes down to, first of all, if they showed these documents to the Republican Comer and the Democrat Raskin, then what is their problem to show them to the committee? And as, there, as I understand it, it's not a top secret document. It's declassified. It's not. Yes, it's 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 what we'll call declassified. It's not in a classified state. So that that's that's the thing. Now, there's something else here, though, that it's a story you want to talk about that's that's been missed. OK, and I don't know exactly uh, when it came out, but I think or I'd say about a month ago. All right. The. The former CIA official testified that the Biden campaign senior advisor, who's now the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, right. played a role in the inception of the public statement that was signed by the current and past intel officials who claimed Hunter Biden laptop was part of a Russian disinformation campaign. He orchestrated that, you know, a former uh, intel people to say that then of course they denied that the laptop you know existed so or it was legitimate now, now there is no reason that the congress doesn't drag the secretary of state the current one blinken before to say the cia operative is saying that you had intel people signed that this was a disinformation campaign we obviously know it is a laptop we know it's hunter biden's laptop so therefore it wasn't a disinformation campaign and, the, and so he would have to answer to that, right? Yeah. Now, there was a publication in uh, a, a piece called Lawfare, L-A-W-F-A-R-E, if anybody wants to look it up. And it was in, in May. And it was very interesting because they were quoting the president. My son has done nothing wrong. I trust him. I remember I have that. faith in him. Yes. So, so President Biden on Friday, May the 5th, when NBC asked him how the Justice Department's potential charges against his son might affect his presidency, he said, my son's done nothing wrong, I trust him, et cetera, et cetera. That. So in the article they say, other than former President Trump's incessant self-serving commentary <laughs> on Justice Department matters, uh, that this statement was one of the most egregious and ill-timed breaches since Watergate. Wow. So, Wayfair. Who hits Donald Trump? Because, you know, Trump was talking about justice all the time. Right. You know, Comey, he didn't like Comey and this and that. But they said, on the same token, so this isn't some Trump publication that, you know, is going crazy on Biden. They said, yeah, Trump did this incessant, but this is the biggest breach since Watergate, because this is the president's son, and there is an official investigation. Now, here's, and here's the other thing that, that the president can't deny. Hunter Biden's legal team met with prosecutors at the Justice Department, okay? They met with him. That was April the 26th, Earl, and that's to discuss potential charges against the president's son. Now, I have been in the system, $581,000 worth of legal fees in the system, right? Yeah. When your lawyers are sitting with the Justice Department to talk about potential charges, it has gone beyond the point of, interest inquiry it's now into an investigation they're discussing potential charges this starts the back and forth maybe setting up for a plea deal maybe setting up for you know a trial who knows so the president is well aware that that this happened so it's not shocking me now 
if he all of a sudden shut up today. Well, the other thing is that now they're saying it's not about Hunter. Now it's about Joe Biden and this whistleblower saying that there was a bribe made to him when he was vice president for $5 million. And that's what this is about. So this is different from the investigation of Hunter and those other violations, the gun law violation, the uh, whatever else it was, income tax violation. Now you're talking influence peddling. And somebody pointed out today they think a lot of people uh, think that Joe never intended to run for president and he he was going to be free of all that and keep the money. Uh, Interesting, though. Uh, Bob, we got to go, but thank you, sir. I love your input, and, and it's, uh, I think it's uh, made a lot of people sit up and go, whoa. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we got to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back, tell you about a big Germantown uh, school board meeting tonight. Uh, thank you very much. I'm welcome back. Uh, we've got two people in the studio with me around, Jeff Hicks. Uh, and Kristen knew both are parents uh, of children in the Germantown School District. And uh, thank you both for being here. Hey, thank you for giving us the time to Appreciate talk about this. Us. Well, as people have then learned uh, throughout the nation that school boards are extremely important. I used to just think, uh, some, let somebody else do that because we don't have time. And then we found out what they were doing in the schools, and uh, and there's nothing the parents could do about it. In fact, they didn't even want them speaking. People got arrested, considered terrorists for showing up at the school board and wanted to voice their opinion about what is going on with their kids. In other words, their position was, you have no say-so in what we teach your kids. And I think it really woke up America. So what's going on right now in in Germantown? There's a meeting tonight? There is a school board meeting tonight, and on the agenda, there is a policy change that they are talking about actually right now in the work session. The work session is going on right now. And the policy has to do slightly with a new Tennessee state law. And it, it used to be at every school board meeting, they would read a statement saying that Tennessee law does not give you the inherent right to speak at our school board meetings, but we're gracious and we're going to let you speak. And they would give us three minutes to speak. Now they are saying that in accordance with Tennessee law, the Germantown board will give you the right to speak only if you speak on the topics that they are going to allow you to speak on. And those are going to be the topics on the agenda. So they are actually... This law was trying to expand the rights of parents to make sure that they do have the right to speak at all of the school board meetings. And talk about things they want to address. Correct. But Germantown is taking that and flipping it on its head and saying, we'll let you speak. But now, instead of speaking on topics that you think is important as a parent, we're going to, or even as just a citizen, uh, we're going to let you speak only on topics that we deem appropriate. And then there is no other recourse, no other place for you, a forum to speak. Besides picketing their offices, and if that's what they want, I mean, I don't know how else we would get our point across. In fact, you said that uh, there were a group of parents that went to the uh, superintendent's office to talk to them, and they called the police on them. Yeah, actually, Jeff was one of them. What uh, happened with that, Jeff? Uh, well, the, the parents were fed up. It, um, as I recall, it was uh, the first day of school after the mask mandate got put in place um, at a rather secretive meeting um, back in the early spring of last year. And uh, there were a lot of parents who were very upset and decided uh, after our kids got, got sent home for not wearing masks, decided to go to the district offices and air our complaints with the superintendent. 
And we sat there peacefully in the lobby, gathered, waiting. Um, all, all we wanted was to, to be heard. And while we were sitting there together, um, uh, next thing you know, here, here comes, uh, you know, Germantown police. Uh, now they they didn't they didn't actually uh, harass us. No, or, they were great. They got uh, called. They were doing what they were supposed to do. But the fact that they got called. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was myself and uh, a room full of soccer moms being uh, <laughs> being super threatening. Yeah, the terrorist group. Right. They said that that um, not the police, but the board, uh, I guess, security said that we needed to leave or we were trespassing, but that is a public building. We, we were not. But we've seen this happen before. We saw it happen in South Carolina, saw it happen in Virginia. Uh, it's like the school boards end up thinking they are this separate entity mm-hmm. that they're not, even though they're, they're part of your town and everything, there is nobody of a higher authority to tell them what they can or can't do. And then if they don't want to hear from you, they can operate with impunity. Right, they have it backwards. They think that they control us. But that's not how we're supposed to govern here in the United States. We, the people, control what they do. But they're taking their cue from Washington. You realize that. Absolutely. And that's where all of this is coming from. And people need to understand that trickle-down effect where you have the Department of Education in Washington, D.C. that is telling the Tennessee Department of Education what to do, that is telling the board members what to do in Nashville. And also the legislature is going along with some of these ideas that are abhorrent to the Constitution. But what it really comes down to is money and power. It's all connected to federal funding. Because the federal funding goes to the school, public school districts, and they don't want it to be a voucher where you can take that same voucher and go to a public school because the money is the power of the National Teachers Union, Mm -hmm. and that trickles down to local. They want to be able to decide who gets hired, that you can't fire anybody. That uh, I mean, it's really a control issue. What what are you asking people to do that are right? If you're if you're, high, if you're a taxpayer in Germantown, you should be able to go to this meeting. Absolutely, you can go to this meeting and you can speak at this meeting. They are going to have a citizens to be heard tonight. We are going to speak and we're going to speak on topics that we feel important, and that is this one. Um, so, what we're asking people to do: uh, there is a meeting tonight at six p.m. If you feel so inclined to show up, um, it is at the school board district office. Uh, I've got the address. It's thirty three fifty South Forest Hill, Irene. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's there. It's it's right next to the elementary school, the brand new elementary school. Okay, okay. And that starts at 6 o'clock, but I would get there early. Yes, and also also a plea to our legislatures to, to tighten up some of the language, language in these laws because this looseness of language allows these school board members to go rogue and to start manipulating this. Because that's what they're looking for, loopholes. And, and the national organizations are the ones that tell them, these are what you look for. This is how you get around this. This is how you do this. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a national organization helping you. You guys are trying to we're figure this parents. out on your own. And that's supposed to be the beauty of school boards, that we're supposed to be just community members and parents, that we are allowed to go up and to air our grievances. And even not even just grievances. We can go up and speak praise if we want to. That is our inherent right. Um, we don't have to be part of an organization. We don't have to have money. We can just go up there. But they're trying to limit that and curtail that. Is this being driven by the superintendent or is this being driven by certain members of the board, Jeff? Uh, well, if it's a policy change, then that, in theory, would be by the board. They're the ones who proposed policy. That That's how they over that, – that's their oversight role. And I just want to call them out. Uh, as a former school board member here in Shelby County and say that this is not how other school boards operate. 
they they used to read a statement where they said we don't have to give you the right uh, give you an opportunity to speak and i think kristen just mentioned that a minute ago and i called them out on that about a year and a half ago and said you guys are too thin-skinned um this is i i i've been on the other end of that and i took plenty of heat and that's that's your job well, I was the spokesperson for the Shelby County Sheriff's Office. If anybody wants to come ask a question of the sheriff, they can come ask a question of the sheriff. And I did my best to get an answer. We work for them. And the sheriff always made that very clear to all the deputies and everybody in the organization. There is a disconnect going on here. And I think it's, uh, it's either coming from the superintendent, it's coming from certain members of the board because of the teachers' union, and where, where are they getting their funding, their campaign money. I mean, you really need to look at everything. Mm-hmm. And we don't know who wrote this policy. Somebody wrote it. Yep. So who who is it? Who well, is it that it, thinks that my First Amendment rights is up for debate? That's what <laughs> I want to know because I don't know who's written that policy. I will be asking tonight. Now, as far as tonight goes, are you guys on the agenda? Or are you already signed up to be able to speak? You or, do when you get there. They have pieces of paper that you fill out if you want to speak. Because I understand that in Memphis there was a lady who was very perturbed because she would, didn't want to have to fill out her her street address or email. You do have to do that. You do have to do that. They, they want to know who this is. And if you don't want to back up who you are, then you got to move you on down the road. You have to your comments. And yeah. that's another thing is that um, they like to pass these, these policy changes quietly and they do it um they don't make huge announcements we even actually had a huge policy change that was passed like jeff said in a secret meeting on new year's eve well this is during summer vacation for a lot of people are out of town right now this is a this is a tuesday night there's some kind of big thing going on gpac tonight uh that uh i was told about what said it's a a group that's uh popular uh the soul shockers. Oh yeah, yeah, big group. Oh, I, this is not something I wanted to do tonight. I will say yeah. that this is something that I feel like I have to do now, though. And and for for me personally, as uh, someone who retired out of the military, I mean, I, I take um, you know my my former oath of office very seriously, and the, and the school board members swear to that same oath. They they swear to up, uphold the Constitution. So do right, so our leaders in our government. Yes. And, and now the, the Constitution, to me, is like it's a, they just pick out what they want to follow and what they don't want to follow. And, and Supreme Court case law, uh, New York Times v. Sullivan, makes it quite clear that they don't get to control what you talk about. And if it's opportunity for public comment, whatever it is that concerns you, whatever you want to talk about, you're willing, you, you should be given that, that forum to speak. You give it, get a time limit. But you don't get to the, the board in no way should control the topics. And, and had, had they had that ability back when we were dealing with masking and all kinds of other issues, that would have allowed them to censor dissent. Yep. And I find that abhorrent. Yes. Uh, well, I will offer this advice. Remain calm and be professional about it as you are right here. Because they love to get people riled up and then say, you're out of control. Uh, we need to re- remove this person from the room. Make your points. Be succinct about it, and uh, but but firm. And uh, uh, let us know how it goes. I'm very curious as to how this goes and, and what else we can do. Uh, the, uh, do you all have an attorney? Do you have somebody that's working with you on the legal side? I have someone in mind. Okay. Just uh, it's always a good idea to have somebody that could, you could refer questions to. Even if you're there, if something starts happening, you could get them on the phone or text them and say, "What should we do in this situation?" Well, I, I fall back to the the phrase that rights without remedies are no rights at all. 
Oh, I agree. Uh, but I also commend both of you and all the people that show up there tonight because uh, it really is your responsibility uh, to, to make sure that this doesn't isn't taken away from you. And just and, a, a plea to the other people that live outside of Germantown and their own school boards, watch them. Yeah. You got to watch what they're doing. Um, yeah. You know, trust but verify kind of thing. You got to got to watch them. And uh, it, it never it's never changed. It's always been that way. It's just uh, for many years, people uh, trusted and, and then nothing really bad happened. Right. But that has changed. And yes. so you better be aware of what's going on or your rights will be taken away from you. And then it takes a long time to get, get the train back on the track again. It does. And they do it. They do it little by little. They don't do it all in one day. They do it in tiny increments. Uh, but they're very effective. Jeff Hicks and Christian New, thank you both for coming in. Uh, please keep me posted on what's going on, and we'll let everybody know. All right. appreciate it so much. You're Thanks welcome. for having us. You bet. We'll take a quick break, then we'll come back, and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, we were out yesterday at the Germantown Charity Horse Show as they were getting ready for their uh, week-long events that runs uh, through Saturday. And uh, I got to speak to um, the lady that kind of runs the whole thing and uh, uh, Wanda uh, Chancellor uh, about, she's been doing this for years, about how important this is an event, not just to this area, but it's uh, important to, uh, for much of the United States and the world of horses. Take a listen. We're here with Wanda. She's head of media for the Germantown Horse Show, and uh, you got involved this years ago because you were a participant. I was. I was uh, carriage driving was uh, what I did, and uh, then I got so busy with the show, I didn't have time to do carriage driving anymore. But I do have a friend who's showing my pony, so... You're still in it. I'm still in it, yes. For people who've never been out here before, we're, this is uh, Monday, and all the participants are here, for the most part. I guess some are still straggling in, but they're out here in the arena warming up, exercising their horses. Uh, but they get here, this is a very athletic event. I don't think people realize how much athletic are involved in not just the the horses but also the riders yes this is a, a, a very you have to be very athletic it's not just the horse that does the work it's the rider also that has to be in great shape and has to know what they're doing and they make it look easy but it's a lot harder than it looks for people who've never been before what do you encourage them to come to so they'll get kind of a taste of it uh, and in uh, because it, because of all the rules and, and the way horse shows work, I mean, if you really don't know what's going on, it looks like they're just riding around and you don't know what's going on. Well, uh, one thing you can do is get a program, and that explains to you uh, what's going on. But you can also come out and during the day and walk around the barns and talk to people about their horses. And uh, just like every other hobby, people love to talk about their horses and what they do and where they're from and all that kind of thing. So come out and walk around, then come at night and you'll, if you come early enough, you see a one big jumping uh, part of the show and then it goes into the ring classes with all the different breeds like uh, walking horses and gypsy vanners and it, and it explains the announcer will tell you what breed is out there and the racking horses and the pacifinos so that's what's different about Germantown is we do have the hunter jumpers, but then at night we have all the different breeds, and not many shows are like that. Most shows are either one-breed horse shows, and they just do one thing. But that's what makes this so interesting. 
I don't think people in Memphis, unless they've been involved in or been coming out here for years, realize that this is a huge show in the United States. This is, it's not just a big show for Germantown. This is people come from all over the world really to participate. Well, I don't think we have anybody from across the pond. Yeah, Pasifinos, you never know. They could oh, be yeah, coming from Yeah, well, yeah. Now, the horses, they are different uh, places they come from, but... Um, we have uh, people from Texas and Florida and Missouri, and occasionally we'll get our, we have a Vermont eventer that comes sometimes, and uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's much wider than just the Mid-South. What is their reaction to coming here and, and the hospitality they find here? Not only that, but the food. you got the commissary out here, which is a great representative and ambassador for Germantown. Uh, Germantown is special because of its hospitality. And I've, I've been to other shows that are just kind of horse shows, but they don't um, pay as much attention to keeping the competitors happy with lots of good food and lots of good parties and just uh, a bunch of volunteers that are trying to take care of everybody. And so it starts uh, tomorrow, which is Tuesday on the 6th, and uh, then it runs through the weekend. Saturday is the last night, and Tuesday is free night, so you can get in um, free on Tuesday night, and then the rest of the nights it's $5 a person. So it's uh, 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 not a very expensive uh, venue to have a really big time with lots of food and lots of vendors and lots of exciting things going on. Well, there you go. And so tonight it is free to get in, uh, Tuesday night. And uh, they got uh, Germantown Commissary out there, barbecue. They got some other food trucks. And uh, it's 91 degrees, so it's not hot and there's not any uh, real humidity to speak of. So uh, get out there and check it out. I think you'll have a good time. Uh, checking uh, traffic as you're headed home. We've got an accident uh, that is downtown. I think that's at the. Um, Union Avenue at South Bellevue is the accident. Got another one at uh, debris on the road in the right-hand lanes at I-55 North and I-240. And then you got another one, Shelby Drive, west of Airways. Uh, and they're still working. It's still showing that it's active here at Yates and Poplar. So be careful going home. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>